0: While the world is spinning out of control, being able to show up at your computer every day and contribute to something that you believe in, something that's meaningful, contribute to a dent in the universe, that's, I think, you know, we can't overlook how powerful that is as an anchor.
1: You're listening to One More Question, a podcast by the people of Nice Work. One of the things we often catch ourselves saying is, can we just ask you one more question? And that's the antithesis of what this podcast is. It's about sharing the best conversations we've had significant creators, experts, and communicators. The people that we've encountered as we go about our work of making people care by creating purposeful brands. This season is focused around unpacking the topic of purpose, exploring what purpose means in its many forms, and we share how people are using purpose to build great companies and successful brands. I'm your host, Ross Drakes. Today I have one more question. I'm talking to two exceptional people. Brad Shorkind and Andy Golding. Andy is an employee experience specialist. Said in normal words, she helps businesses to stay relevant. She does this by getting them to build cultures where the experience actually switches people on. The driver behind her work is that she's worked in some very awful environments, as well as some awesome ones. And this led her to the thought that work doesn't have to suck. Her partner in this, Brad, is an agitator and a thought provoker. He started his career as an architect where he worked for 15 years, and he discovered that he had a passion for entrepreneurship. He's had over 20 businesses until settling on this one, Still Human. Still Human helps business leaders to make exceptional employee and customer engagement. You can read a lot more about this in a book they co-authored called We Are Still Human and Work Shouldn't Suck. Today on the third episode with Brad and Andy, we talk about micromanagers. More specifically, how they must be suffering in these times of remote work. We talk about how they need to shift from measuring inputs to measuring the value that people create. How that value needs to be tied back to the story of the organization and how that story can be told properly to the people that matter. Enjoy. Andy and Brad, thank you very much and welcome to the podcast. Great to be back. Yes. So we've get, set ourselves a challenge that we're not going to say the C word once for this entire um, um, episode. So, so that's the challenge and, and we'll see if we can stick to it. Um, we were talking a, a little bit about how um, people are inherently resistant to change. And, and organizations are sometimes resistant to change. How, how have you seen that playing out in these crazy times?
0: Well, I, I mean, it was, it was fascinating that in early March, I sat with, with clients who told me that going remote would, would be completely impossible for their business. Their business would never be able to, to function remotely. And here we sit a couple months later, and their business is remote and functioning properly. Then they, it's just this resistance. They had this story that they were telling themselves this thing in their minds that they, they, their people wouldn't focus, work wouldn't get done. Things wouldn't happen. They wouldn't be able to communicate. And it was just this, they had this thing in mind, this, this, this blockage, this absolute blind spot that they're just wouldn't have, wouldn't work. And yet when, when, when there was no choice. So I think resistance to change is an interesting thing, but then you have to understand how much choice do people have in the change.
1: Yeah, I suppose if it's forced, if, it's, if it hits you like a tidal wave, you don't really have a chance to, a chance to resist it, you just um, go with it.
2: What's quite interesting, though, on that note is, is chatting to people who, I mean, now you know, we're, we're many weeks into this, and um, in, in conversation with, with teams and, and, and people working at home, Uh, most that I'm in conversation with are saying, yeah, no, it's not as bad as it was originally when, when it all happened. Kind of, I've got it used to it. And, and that's what time does is you realize, okay, hold on. We've, we've managed to work out how to communicate. We've managed to work out how to connect. We're doing our jobs. Uh, We're not necessarily happy. We're missing certain things that we really loved and enjoyed, but it's nowhere nearly as bad as it was. And that's, they've literally moved through the change cycle to an acceptance, um not ecstatic but an acceptance and again it goes back to andy's point of well you resist until you have no choice and we all had no choice Uh, what's interesting though is how certain organizations locked themselves down two weeks before the lockdown even Um, they were organizing their technology they were getting everybody ready making sure because they went this is coming and they were already like almost telling the future seeing the future other organizations were hanging in there for dear life, hoping it wasn't going to happen. And then at the last second, we're literally sending a message around okay, grab one thing from your desk and leave. And <laughs> we had to decide well, is it going to be my pot plant? Is it going to be my laptop? <laughs> Can I get my chair into my car, the coffee machine? So, yeah, it's very uh, really interesting to see how people responded and then how they've responded through this process as well um, and speed of adaptation because. Crisis uh, moves are one thing, but then speed of in-process adaptation is another.
1: Yeah, I suppose. I mean, we can use the word that um, Andy loves, which is uh, the new normal. Um, you know, people are getting to the new normal. Uh, <laughs> um, no, I, I think it's it's interesting that you say that. You know, and, and we've been, you know, a Nice Work as a company has been looking at. You know, one of the questions I asked my team in the weekly email that I sent them was like, what are the what are the good things that have come out of this and what are the bad things that have come out of this? Because uh, I suppose, you know, everyone needs to be thinking now towards, you know, like uh, I think all of the crisis aversion is, is almost done. I think if you haven't done it now, you, you probably going to get swallowed. Um, So now it's like, what are we going to do for the next six to eight months to, 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 to get back up again and actually do, do better. And part of that is also how do we, how do we start defining and rebuilding the companies that we, we want? It's, uh, you know,
0: it's, it's, there's, for me, It's yeah, we've all had to deal with some, some shock and I would argue probably some psychological trauma as well because this definitely takes its toll on people. It will take its toll on the mentality in business. It, you know, the collective psychology will take a knock. But the way we run our businesses, how we run our businesses, where we run our businesses, what we run our businesses with, on, around, et cetera, we've got such an unbelievable opportunity to just, to define the workplace 2.0. Um Eric Kruger calls it hybrid vigor. And for me, we get to we get this time, we can say the thing we can we can reflect on the things that we loved and missed from the way things were before we can also look at the things that we really didn't like and really didn't work and didn't serve us and didn't enable us from the way things were before what are some of the key learnings like you just said like you ask your team of what how we're currently working that we would that we love and would like to carry forward with us so we get to we basically get to rewrite our ways of working because up until now our ways of working were just a direct evolution, and I say evolution is a very careful term because I'm not sure how much we evolved, but our ways of working were an evolution of from when we were factory workers. That's where working hours came from. It's where a lot of the way we sit, a lot of the way we track and measure performance, it all comes from industrial age. We're very clearly no longer in industrial age. So now how do we get to redefine and redesign our, our ways of working completely to suit the age that we're in now.
1: Okay. So, can I ask you? I mean, you you're in this interesting position because you you work with multiple teams and you sort of you're on the inside with a lot of these people. What are some of the what are some of the the habits that people have noticed, or the things that people have noticed that they really want to keep? And what are some of the the kind of ones that that people have noticed are no longer serving them and, and should almost go away? So, without a doubt,
2: the thing. And this is a very common, a strong theme. The thing people are enjoying the most is time at home with family. They're actually getting to be with their kids, even though there's frustration that I'm not a school teacher. I don't want to be taking the job of a school teacher. Um, that is a, a small frustration. well not a small. It's a small part of the family experience. It's a big frustration, but a small part. But uh, I'd, I'd say that is the most common thing people are appreciating: is more time to be with family. However, it's also coming with a complexity of the lines have become completely blurred. The lines of when does work start? When does work stop? Uh, Monday to Friday weekends, uh, the separation between work and family, uh, the allocation of space, you know, are you working, even if it's the bedroom or the kid's bedroom where the kids aren't, uh, where nobody wants, I was on a, on a zoom call earlier today, that dirty word death by zoom. And, um, this little four-year-old kept on putting her face into the screen, covered with a peanut butter sandwich, and we all laughed <laughs> <in> the first <laughs> minute or so the first minute and a half. But it became damn frustrating and uh, uh, negatively impacted the whole experience after the fifteenth minute of trying to get rid of her. Um, now it's tricky because obviously dad loves his kid, but he needed to the the message he needed to receive was he's not being productive because she's impacting every time he tries to work. She's getting in the way. She's wanting to play. She's, so he needs to separate himself. And there was a very strong consensus amongst the group that, yeah, we're all having this problem. And that you need to decide when are you in family mode, when are you in work mode. They can't overlap each other. Um, so certain disciplines need to be incorporated um, that will enhance productivity. Because the ability to focus when you're not being distracted by the kids is significantly enhanced. Then there's another layer of complexity around your schedule compared to other people's schedule. We're all on a different um, uh, calendar or time calendar at the moment because different people have different constructs. Some have young kids, some have old kids, some have no kids um, as as one factor. So there's all these things just to create that you can work uh, uninterrupted and focus. because what they were complaining about and the reason for the call was they're not getting their stuff done. In contrast, I have another client that, that, that we work with who said his team's never been more productive. They are. They've worked out a flow. They've worked out a rhythm. Um, they've worked out their communication strategy. What they communicate. How frequently they're communicating. Um, there's very, very clear accountability of what they all need to be delivering. What they all need from each other. And they've got a very, very. I mean, he's working on his roof. So out of a, a, a private conversation where he phoned me in desperation, he said, "Brad, I, I just can't get alone time from my kids and my wife." I said, "Well, is there any space?" You can go and lock yourself up. And he said, well, short of climbing on the roof, no. I was like, And he's now put an umbrella on his roof, um, a sun umbrella, and a chair and a table, and he climbs into his roof. It's a a flat roof, and that's where he goes to work. He's got Wi-Fi. He's got the whole story. You know, We had another client who has created a space. She's a hospital worker, um, was also complaining about no escape room, and she's converted a cupboard in the hospital to an escape room for her and her team. Uh, just to take five minute, 15 minute gaps um, of uninterrupted breathing space. So he's looking for space to work. You also needs space to breathe. It's really important. So these disciplines, otherwise, it just does become a, a big blur. So the upside is family, but the downside is family.
1: I mean, I love that. I think uh, some of the lessons we've learned in nice work the one is um, how, how bad we communicated. Yeah. um so so our communication has improved infinitely since this started because it, it's actually gone asynchronous because like you said, some of the people some of the people are working from nine to five, it hasn't really changed for them. other people, myself included, you know, I get a gap at about three thirty, my son's gonna wake up from a nap and I'm gonna have to take him for the rest of the afternoon. So so I stop working. I take my work hat off at half past three and I'll only put it back on again at eight o'clock in the evening. So if anybody wants my attention between half past three and eight o'clock, they need to craft a message and put it on one of our platforms that, that they can receive, that I can receive it and give them the input that they need in order for them to to do their job. So that's definitely been something that's shown up um, for, for us. And Andy, have you noticed anything?
0: Yeah. So I think just riffing off that theme, exactly. The, the communication, the way we communicate, how we communicate, what platforms we use to communicate. Um, it's We've seen we've seen the pendulum swing in so many different ways. So we've seen companies go to, we have a check-in every morning, we have a check-in every afternoon, we have a check-in at the, at the end of the day every day. And that's maybe a bit overboard for people. Then we've seen companies that have no actual communication rhythm. And I think communication, you know, then, then so for those companies with no rhythm, there's kind of no there's no structure, it's ad hoc, it's spontaneous, it's messy, it's all over the place. What's, what's really working well is when companies have said, okay, cool, guys, here's, here's our rhythms. And there's no, there's no blueprint for this. There's no right or wrong. Um, you know, Only you know the rhythms and the cadence at which your company kind of ticks along. And you, it's, it's a trial and error thing. And I think that's important is the companies that are, get, that are getting it the most right have tried different things. They didn't say, you know, seven weeks ago, this is how it's going to work and we're going to stick to it. They said, here's plan A, here's option one, let's give it a go. And they, they got feedback from people because, you know, the, the other thing when, when we talk about meaningful communication in our essentials model, we talk about communication that is specific, it's relevant, it's authentic, and that it flows in both directions. And I think that's the critical thing. So is the company able to receive? Is the company on like, listening to their people? So when their people are like, cool, this rhythm doesn't work for these reasons, let's try option two. Let's try the next way. And it's, it's communication. I think, you know, you, you learn. You just said you guys learned this at work. How, how badly you communicated. Brad and I, whenever we run an employee experience assessment with clients to date, we have never run one where meaningful communication didn't come up as a mission critical because we know as hmm. human beings, we are naturally diabolical at our communication. Despite our best intentions, it's, it's one of the muscles of culture that every single organization needs to focus on building.
2: There's a, a really interesting point to link back to um, what we were talking about earlier, Ross, when you said like when we go back, what have we learned? This guy who I mentioned now who's working on the roof, he's, he, his organization are able to go back to work uh, based on the, the level four criteria, and he told his team to stay at home. Oh. Not because he wants them to stay safe, because he told them we're never going back to work. Now he worked. This is a big corporate. He said, we are not going back to work. He said, we may go back to the office one, one or two afternoons or mornings a week, but I'm now, he said, doing the work to design that we go back differently. Um, and so he's reconstituting the office space, changing it significantly. Um, and is. Yeah, and he's, he's very senior in the business. So he's able to pull a bit of sway. But it took him this short. This didn't take long.
1: To realize, we yeah. To
2: say, this works. Um, he obviously is addressing the a couple of the personal challenges some people have. And he's looking at, you know, some of them really want to connect with the team physically. And so he's looking at, I mean, his model a Tuesday Tuesday afternoon and a Friday morning as team time in the office. And then they're going to choose very carefully what it is they use that time for. So it, it bridges the gap for those people who are needing the social connect. But um, he, he, he's got a, obviously a financial mind as well. He we crunch the numbers of what this would mean as a financial model across the business. And this is worth hundreds of millions of rands worth of rental and office space cost, hundreds of millions for an organization Mm -hmm. of the size of what he works for. That in itself is a very interesting situation to be sitting on. But the thing that's driven it is he believes it's better for his people and it's better for the business.
1: We've got we've got one employee who who has been gifted back two hours a day every single day. So she doesn't spend two yeah. hours a day in her car. Yeah. Like and when I asked her, like, "What do you want to keep?" Yeah. She was like, "I have two hours a day. Like I can be calmer in the morning. I can exercise. I can work if I want to. I've got all these like options that are kind of now available to me." Um, but I think for 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 me, one of the biggest things that come up is missing that human. Element. I think that's probably the the largest piece that's missing. Can you can you tell us a little bit about how some people are are dealing with that? They have has anyone done anything interesting to kind of recreate that experience um, outside of the, the being in the same room together?
0: One of the yeah. one of the cooler things that uh, that jumps to mind that I heard quite recently is a company that we that we work with. They one of their in one of their face-to-face culture rituals was often somebody would walk past the manager's desk or the manager would walk past somebody's desk and say, coffee catch-up? And it was something that they had worked into being completely natural in their business. And they would go for a quick 15-minute cup of coffee, have a catch-up, which obviously can't happen now. So what the managers have said is they've opened up their calendars to their employees so the guys can see where they've got gaps and said to them, book it in. You know, climb into our calendar, book in a 15-minute coffee catch-up. I will make sure, one, that I avail myself. I will not move that once you've booked it in its it's sacred time. And two, that I have a cup of coffee with me when we have our 15-minute catch-up. So, yes, we have to do it via screen, unfortunately, because if all things social, all contexts have collapsed into on-screen time. But there's still and, – and, you know, and some, of them, some of them in the notes, the guys specifically say nothing work-related. So they don't talk work at all mm-hmm. because sometimes you just need that human conversation. You know, there's, there's a very good reason that in the, Gallup, in the Gallup Q12 in their survey of employee engagement, they ask, do you have a best friend at work? Because there's, there's that level of humaning that I'm not just a droid here to do work, but I actually need to talk about myself my personal life, et cetera, et cetera, it's critical. And so some, sometimes people say, you know, there's absolutely nothing work-related in this call allowed, and that's cool. Managers are letting the people set, set the pace and set the tone.
2: There are also a few things that um, are, are being carefully orchestrated. One team that we've been working with, they uh, ran a – the team has, let's call it – let's say it's nice work. Nice work has talent. And each member in the team had to submit at home. They they had this little app they were using, a talent, whatever it might've been. And they submitted videos. And then every evening they'd play the video to the group. And there was a judging process. And then they had obviously a prize at the end of it. Another team um, has started telling a story. They submitted, uh, have a picture with some words on it. And they now circulate it. And every two to three days, Someone, it gets you've got to compile compile your piece, and then it gets sent to the next person. So they're keeping the story going, just a bit of fun connection. That's Um, so cool. Another team hosted a um, a dinner competition, and um, the whole when there were about thirty five of them, what happened is they received an email. It said, "These are your ingredients. You need to come up with a meal that you're going to cook." And what they did is they then had to all be ready online at seven o'clock with their meal in front of them. Um, that they had cooked with those ingredients and they had to submit into the group a photograph and the recipe and which ingredients were used and they had dinner together Uh, and obviously there was a winner as well of the best meal Um, and so it's created that was connection so they had a meal together and there's so many of these things that you can come up with because one of the things people are saying is yeah but it's different that's the point it's going to be different it, it can't be the way it was before. But something so simple, one of the teams complained that they're not having enough of that, you know, the, just the daily chatter while you're working, the the banter. And and what we decided is it was an easy, easy solve if they logged on to a Zoom call, um, just opened the Zoom up. And while they were working, just we're chatting, just as if everything was normal. Go grab a coffee, come back with your coffee, literally sitting opposite each other with a zoom open it's not a fixed zoom session it's just hey we're in each other's company they hadn't thought about it you know these are simple simple things that people can do
1: we had i mean our one designer decided she was missing everyone and she enjoyed having lunch with everyone so she set up a zoom lunch yeah and it's exactly the same way that our lunches were at the office so if you need to work you just come onto the Zoom, you know, like you're on the lunch eating a Sami and still typing that proposal. Yeah. It's not like you have to be staring at the camera and contributing the whole time. And it is those like little human moments. Yeah. Um, and I think what's, what's important is it's human moments. And a lot
2: of people have got the story in their brain that I need to be in with, around people. But I think that it's, it's a lot more about the moments. Contact is important. Don't undermine that for a second. But um, a lot of people need to let
1: go of that story as well. So so now let me ask you a question. How how are you seeing or like um organizations keep their, you know, because obviously the core of your work and the core of our work is this idea of like like what's the purpose of this organization? Like what is the dent that we're making in the universe? Like how are people effectively keeping that going now when people are not necessarily sitting next to each other? Like what are the what are the things that you're seeing people do that are or, or helping, you know, I suppose, especially now when people have the tendency to feel like lost or disconnected or drifting off, how are they keeping them together as a, a single team?
0: I think my my first response to that is if, if you needed everybody in the same room at the same time for that to work, there's bigger questions that you should be asking. Um, because it comes down to how was it being communicated? How were people being made aware of it? And what 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 made, what made that you had to be in the same room for it to apply? Because it's
1: from the posters on the wall, Andy. It's from <laughs> the big posters on the wall.
0: Because so if unless your business has had to do one of those 180 degree turns where everything has changed in the business and the way your ways of working and everything, you, you, unless you've had to form an entirely new business during this time. Nothing's changed in terms of your purpose and your dent in the universe. And you should have other ways of, you should have ways of keeping people aligned and ignited around them. So I think it, it comes again back to the communication. It's, you know, how, what were your ways of doing it beforehand? Were you having company all hands meetings? Was it the posters all over the wall? Because if it was, if you were only relying on the posters, again, got bigger questions to ask. But it's, it's it's again that I come back to the communication rhythm and the communication, the cadence and the messaging.
2: So I, I would I would add to, to what Andy said. I think it is very much about the communication. In addition to that, I think um, the if the story, and I think Andy's point was spot on, if your story wasn't clear before, this is a time you really need to get your story clear. <laughs> um, what is the story that, what makes you matter? What makes you relevant? Uh, Why is everyone waking up in the morning and going to sit at the dining room table? What is the impact that, that we as an organization have? What makes us matter? And really important now is for people to understand how they fit in. For too long, people have been led by a task in little boxes, do this piece of work, do that piece of work, but they're never really connected with where they were impacting the bigger picture. A critical leadership style at a distance, because you cannot be forcing people to have their bum in their chair for nine hours and calling that a day's work doesn't work in this in this model. Although people are trying, to all the micromanaging um, command and control style leaders out there, you need a change um, because what's really important now is that people at the end of the day can say, this is what I did and this is how it impacted the bigger picture. This is the value that I brought to my colleagues, to our organization, to our purpose, and to the people ultimately who buy from us to the people whose lives we impact, to the people who find value in us. If an individual can't tell you the difference they made in that day, then there's a disconnect in the story. And then they're going to become switched off, uninspired, because they're not Mm -hmm. sitting in the energy of it all day long.
1: And I suppose there's also the danger now that because exactly like you say, there aren't those other human moments around them holding them together, that I think it can become very easy for people to spiral into the dark side. Um, you know, without having that, yeah. uh, you know, as, as a piece of purpose. Yeah.
0: And I think that probably now more than ever, purpose purpose is always business. It's critical. But now, you know, people need something to attach to. While the world is spinning out of control, being able to show up at your computer every day and contribute to something that you believe in, something that's meaningful, contribute to a dent in the universe, that's, I think, you know, we can't overlook how powerful that is as an anchor for people during some crazy times globally, you know, to at least still have your, your bubble of security, just in the sense of I'm showing up to do something. I have a sense of purpose every day. I know what I'm sitting down at my laptop to achieve. And I love so much Brad's articulation of at the end of the day, can I say, what is the value that I had? What What is the difference I made today to help progress us towards our dent in the universe to my colleagues? to my company. And it's, I think it can actually be such an important, and such a powerful tool for businesses to leverage, to rally people together when that's exactly what we need at the moment. We need to be rallied together.
1: I mean, I love that, especially, you know, a lot of people are having to take salary cuts and, you know, like there's this tightening of the belt all over the place. And I think, it, it can be the thing that fills that gap. It can be that thing that that allows people to to still keep going, even though they're not necessarily earning what they were, or getting the same amount of time at work that they were, or, or meeting the same kind of people. So I fully fully agree with that.
2: Just also, Andy said something there the de- a dent in the universe, and it's so important. So many people say, "Oh, but our company is—we're not saving the planet." we're not this way a dent in the universe can be done in many many ways you can work for a for for a tire company the dent in the universe you're making is that cars are safe on the road Mm. Uh, you don't have to be inventing the next great cure or the next best technology every organization has got a value that they bring to society Um, and it's really important to understand that what do we do we do this this is the difference we
1: make Mm. and this is why it matters yeah yeah I mean I think just looking at the time, I think that's a lovely a lovely note to end the the podcast on. Thank you very much for coming on the show for the third time. And we'll see, depending on the, the listening numbers, we might get you back for a fourth. But it's up up for debate at the moment. Thanks for having us back for Lucky Number Three. a winter
2: we'll
1: crowd. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean if you're willing to put some money behind promoting it, like we'll we'll take that.
0: <laughs> cool.
1: cool, cool, Thanks, Andy. Thanks, Brad. We'll catch you in the next one. Cheers, See everyone. Cheers. Bye.
0: Cheers.
1: Thank you for listening. In the words of Carlos Corbijn, sharing knowledge is an obligation. So if you know someone who would benefit from this podcast, please send it on to them. This is our second season, and we'd be super grateful if you'd hit that subscribe button. And if you think we're worth it, give us a review. We welcome feedback, good or bad. We release an episode every two weeks. One more question is brought to you by the people at NiceWork, a purpose-led branding company in Johannesburg, South Africa. If you'd like to further this conversation, reach out at www.nicework.co.za. And if you're a little bit old school, let us know, and we'll make you a mixtape.